You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Yes, welcome back to the program. Now the final hour, Dr. Nathan Gibbs will join me on the NRL's latest issue with concussion and the standing on the independent doctor. That is coming up soon. But, gee, I've got some um, great gifts to give away in this hour. A double pass to the Newcastle 500, so the opening round of the Supercars Championship. We've got a double pass. Uh, Of course, the event starts this Friday, goes through Saturday and Sunday, and you can catch SEN's coverage of Round 1 live from midday this Sunday, Eastern Daylight Saving Time, on SEN and the SEN app. So we'll be on air from midday um, at the Newcastle event. Supercars coverage living right here on SEN for 2023. If you missed any of the roundup with Matty Johns, catch up now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search up Mornings with Matt White. Now, what I want to do this hour, too, is open up the lines. Obviously, we had a lot to unpack from round one of the footy season, but now it's time for you to jump on board and give me your thoughts. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy 1170 is the place to do it. The best caller will get that double pass. And also, when we're talking Manchester United and Liverpool this morning, just vent. Go for it. You can go open slather on this, a $50 voucher to the Sporting Globe, to the best fan who calls me up in the next hour and tells me what went on. I've seen the highlights. I've read the reports. But I was too busy to try and sit there for the whole thing. But this is just a fascinating story in the world of football. Michael from Marrickville, you can kick us off. You're a Liverpool fan, so you're gloating like crazy this morning. Mate, I'm a tragic mate. I went to Wembley Stadium and watched Liverpool win the FA Cup in May last year. And this morning, mate, the baptism of... Eric Ten Hag being Eric Seven Hag now. Mate, what a glorious win, mate. Mo Salah became the most prolific goal scorer for Liverpool as well, overtaking Robbie Fowler. The crowd was in tune, mate. I started work at three in the morning in a truck yep. and I had the radio on BBC. It was blaring and you could just feel the atmosphere coming off the cop, going right around Anfield, mate. What could I say, mate? Brilliant. <laughs> Sorry, Jimmy, and sorry, Julian. <laughs> Julian King and uh, Jimmy, baby. Get us next time, maybe. Maddie, love the show, mate. Keep it going. Go, Liverpool. You'll never walk alone, boy. Nice work, pal. Stay on the line. $50 uh, voucher to the Sporting Globe coming your way just to make a, a great morning even better. 7 nil. The scoreline. I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying to get my head around the headlines. You know what we'll do? We'll dig into some of the... Uh, some of the English papers because the headline writers would be having an absolute doozy. And we've got to do Tommy's Tribune a little bit later on. So why don't we have a think about that? Can you put this 7-0, the old seventh heaven and all that kind of stuff, can you put that into a Tommy's Tribune headline this morning? And we'll dig up some of those papers over there because they're the go-to. Full-strength team for Man United. And what did I read this morning? It's their biggest defeat since 1931. Um, Coach killer. That kind of stuff is the ultimate coach killer in any sport, but especially over there. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. If you'd like to have your say, do so. You can do what Michael did and just continue the rage. Maintain the rage, folks. And if you've got any great stories 
uh, around how that played out for you this morning, let us know. Late for work? Did you have you sent some pretty nasty texts to any of your mates who might be on the other side of that thrashing? Uh, could you find anything decent in it if you're a Man U fan? Let me know this morning, 0457 736 736. In rugby league, one of the big issues uh, off the back of round one is the role of the independent doctor. Now, Ricky Stewart and Wayne Bennett have both had their say on this and an interesting chat that I had earlier with Matty Johns. If you missed it, here's Matty's take on the, the status and the role of the independent doctor and concussion in rugby league at the moment. I hear people say the game has gone soft. I'm not even going to acknowledge that rubbish. Right, because the people who say that have got no... Most people who say that haven't got skin in the game. Right, They're not out there doing, doing it themselves. They haven't got lo- loved ones playing. They haven't got mates out there playing. The game hasn't gone soft. We acknowledge um, the damage of CTE. We talk about it all the time until it doesn't suit. Right, So there are things that are more important than the uh, two points. Matty John's there this morning. And like I say, if you missed the roundup, uh, you can get it on your podcast platform. Just search Mornings with Matt White. Let's bring in now somebody very experienced in this uh, area of expertise, a man with more than 30 years' experience, in fact, in the game of rugby league when it comes to the medical side and before that, a player as well. Dr. Nathan Gibbs is on the line. Good morning, Nathan. Always something for us to talk about. Yeah, it's always good to have footy back and a bit of controversy, Matt. (laughs) It didn't take long, did it? So let me hit you with this one. Is the NRL jumping at shadows in this case? The independent doctor is a a very good decision because it's it's a doctor who's got access to lots of different camera angles who is just looking at how a player reacts after getting a hit in the head. And he then communicates that with the uh, people down at ground level where you often can't see... uh, very clearly or, or, or at all sometimes uh, of incidents. So the, uh, the problem I think is arising where some players might be having an exaggerated uh, reaction after being hit in the head, perhaps to milk a penalty. And, and unfortunately, that the, uh, the bunker doctor has to take on face value. And, and uh, if that happens, uh, get that player assessed. So I guess there's a couple of points on that one. The exaggerated reaction... Um, like you say, to, to, to force a change, to get off the field. And that's that comes down to the coach's box and the sideline and, and how they want to manage it. But if you're an independent doctor in that situation, you're looking for signs, not symptoms. Is that right? So can you explain that to us from a medical point of view? It's It's been made very clear, and this is how it runs, the club doctor, the team doctor, makes the diagnosis of concussion in a player or rules out a concussion and says it, it isn't a concussion. That's done by the, the team doctor. All the independent doctor does is is help the club doctor by looking at reactions and how how a player behaves after being hit in the head. And the obvious one is if you fall unconscious. Well, that's that's clear. That's category one. That's a definite concussion. If you get up and you and you can't walk properly, ataxia. That's that's most likely a concussion. You know, ninety nine percent of the time. So there there are some very clear guidelines. Uh, that they use to say, hey, this looks like there's a definite concussion. But then there are other ones. And and this is where it gets a bit uh, muddy, if you like. The When a player gets hit in the head and is motionless for a minute or two, it's possible that he's, uh, for a second or two, I say, it's possible that he's uh, unconscious for that brief period. So lying motionless or slow to get up after being hit in the head, there are always areas of concern that might prompt a, a match day doctor to uh, 
to call that player off the field to be assessed for possible concussion. How quickly do you think you can determine whether a player's got the wobbles, Nathan, from just getting an awkward hit versus a player who is in possible concussion areas? Obviously, the duration of the symptoms is quite important. So if it's extremely brief and you get out to the player, uh, it could well be not concussion at all. Uh, if it's a more prolonged symptoms, then uh, it's more likely, of course. But uh, the on-field trainers play an important role as well because they're, they're there first you know, to the injured player and they're communicating back to their team doctor as well on the sideline. So that, that system uh, works well with the very experienced on-field trainers. So do you think the independent doctor in the bunker is better than an independent doctor perhaps on the sideline? Absolutely. The, the, the independent doctor is just looking at the vision and he has access to all the different camera angles, uh, much like the home viewer. So the home viewer quite often sees a concussion well before the sideline doctor. Sitting on the sidelines a terrible place to, to see these sorts of uh, injuries happen because uh, there's no... Uh, yeah, the view from down on ground level is, uh, is not very good. Should the NRL put more trust into the coaches and the club around that, or is this an issue that deserves to be in the hands of somebody independent? <laughs> I did uh, hear Ricky's interview, uh, which I love. Yeah. But the uh, the coaches are the last person you'd uh, put health and safety issues uh, in charge of. So the uh, that's why we have team doctors. Uh, they do a very good job, and they're the ones who should be making the decisions. On the overall view of this then if you if you look at it i mean there's there's an obvious case here for player well-being i mean that's that's an obvious straightforward case but then there's a bigger issue isn't there of of the game protecting itself how much do you think that latter part plays into this versus the initial part of the player well-being because are they protecting themselves here what i'm saying is is the nrl doing this to make sure that they're covered if a lawsuit comes there's definitely the, the medical legal aspect is definitely uh, a major issue in, in all of the concussion debate. Uh, but in, in protecting themselves from that, the NRL is also putting player safety, you know, at the, uh, at the forefront. Even though they might have different goals in what they're trying to achieve, the, the aim is still the same, player safety. So that uh, I, I think it's a good idea. It's interesting, isn't it? You know, consistency is a word that comes up in rugby league all the time, and we're normally talking about refereeing decisions and what the bunker's doing or not doing. How do you reckon you get consistency in an issue like this? Have you got anything to make this process better? One thing, when I've been team doctor on the sideline working with the bunker doctor, I think it's very important for the team doctors to get a good communication going with the uh, with the bunker doctor because you can talk to them uh on the sideline uh, through the headset system. So the, I think it's it's important to give them feedback uh, from the trainer getting information back to the sideline doctor and having the sideline doctor communicate with the bunker doctor. Sometimes you can uh, clarify things that may not obviously, uh, or the bunker doctor might have a different view about. So do you think this situation that we've got now is here to stay? I, I think the system will, will remain in place because it's a good system. It's, it's just got a few... A uh, few teething problems early in the season and uh, and they'll be sorted out. Great to catch up with you. Before I let you go, life at the Waratahs, uh, how's it going? What, mate, what year are you up to uh, in, in being involved in professional sport at the moment? <laughs> oh, I hate to think. I did start in 85. So it's been, uh, you, you can do the maths yeah, on that. It's a long time. But you love it, don't you? 
Oh, absolutely. It's the best. Uh, as, as I said earlier, it's not a very good seat on ground level on the sideline, but I love sitting there. <laughs> good on you, Nathan. Thanks for your time this morning. Yeah, bye. <laughs> Dr. Nathan Gibbs joining us. Uh, great to catch up with him and get his views on that. So let's just backtrack a little on this one too and hear the comments first up from Ricky Stewart after the Raiders match. The RPA, the NRL, they don't trust coaches, mate. Do you think I'd let a player play if he had a uh, concussion or he's concussed? Um, and I don't just trust the player's comments when he comes to the sideline in regards to that. But when he's down, getting his leg leg attended to, and I ask him, and his eyes, there was no fatigue and there was no pain in his eyes in regards to when he came off, he was very coherent. That, that didn't help us in that game. That's why I talk about toughness. And there was two of them. Yep, yeah, OK, Corey might have had the HIA. We had, to serve, we had to serve two players there in very important positions for 30 minutes in that game. Um, but the RLPA, um, they, they, don't, they don't trust coaches. All they do is want to come and talk to me about how much more time off the players are going to get and how much more money. I didn't hear, any of those, I didn't hear anybody from the RLPA come out and try and go to the NRL in regards to playing up here at 4.30 in the afternoon. We were very lucky that it wasn't the humidity of what it was yesterday because I think it could have been dangerous for the players' welfare. Now, Wayne Bennett has said all the NRL has done is take the onus off the clubs and put it onto somebody else independent. The clubs have got to own it, he said. The NRL took some soft options with the club, but if you make clubs more accountable, you don't need an independent doctor. Andrew Abdo, thanks to the Herald, has said this. These decisions on head injury assessments are going to be made on a player's well-being, regardless of the team, regardless of the score, regardless of the player. We have a policy. And that policy is about making sure we provide the safest possible environment for the players to play our sport. As Matty John said earlier this morning, uh, the independent doctor is not going away. They are not going to budge on this one. There is too much at stake. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Let me know your thoughts on that one. Let's go to that open line. Mike is on the line. Good morning to you, Mike. Yeah, good day, Matty. First time caller. Um... Just about the Jordan Rappiner, um suspension, mm. um, uh, I, I think it, I originally said in the text there a coward act, but I'll just settle for dog act, I think. Um, if he had a look to his side rather than concentrating on uh, putting his shoulder to the head of drink water, he would have seen that he was already going to be contained by Hudson Young and one other. Um, but having, having said that, um, so... The bunker must have looked at it and thought, nothing to see here, mm. no penalty, no 10 minutes. Um, the bunker seems to have gone from, you know, 70% involvement um, in the game to completely missing something that or they just thought it was okay. No, no problem. Well, it's one of the great questions, and I, and I just mentioned, Mike, that, that word consistency to um, to yep. Nathan Gibbs when we were talking about the concussion issue there and, and the head knocks and all that. But consistency yep. is, is so hard to find. So it is one of the questions. And I guess when you've got another link in the chain, um, it adds a, different, adds a different sort of feeling to this or a different scenario is probably the best word to say it. But I, I don't – I'm with you. I mean, the bottom line is, can somebody tell us why he wasn't sent from the field for that, yet he's going to face a minimum of three games, possibly four, for that hit? Yeah. So if you look at it initially and go, well, it, does it deserve time off the field? No. Then how can you look at it again and go, it deserves three weeks off the field? I, I just yeah. don't know how you marry the two up, mate. Yeah, which is a good deal, by the way, three weeks. 
<laughs> if you're Jordan Rapping, you'd have, you'd have to grab it. Yeah, well, I mean, he could face four if, if that's the way to go. So he ends up with a grade one offence. Um, it's his third and subsequent. So that means that it'll be a three-game ban with the early plea. So that's it's an interesting question, Mike, a really interesting one. And, and that's the, you know, the vagaries, I think, of, of what happens between the bunker and then those that are charged afterwards. Um, but it's pretty clear, again, that any contact with the head is going to be um, dealt with either on them. If it's either during the match or thereafter, it's going to be dealt with pretty harsh either way. That's how it's going to end up. And and to your point, you don't think that three's enough. As Vossi said in the commentary, absolutely brutal. And it's a fine line that this game, the game wants absolute brutality, but the game doesn't want anything that's going to go towards the head. And that's the fine line that they've got to deal with. Good on you, Mike. Appreciate your call, mate. Thank you for listening in too. And uh, call back one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. I'll put you back to Tommy because we'll send a Signet Boost power bank your way. It'll keep your phone, your tablet, your earbuds powered twenty four seven. Appreciate that call. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six is the text line. I will take a break. Back after this. Now, we've done a check of uh, some of the UK papers off the back of Liverpool 7, Manchester United nil, and they've all gone the same, haven't they, Mark? I mean, they've all fallen for the old heaven and hell, seven and hell trick. Um, in fact, the Sun have done it. Uh, Daily Mail, have they also done it as well? Yeah, the Daily Express and the Mirror. Yeah. Seven and hell. Seven and hell. That's it. Yeah. That's all that. I mean, these guys are tabloid geniuses. Yeah. That's all they can come up with. Uh, yeah. I mean, the, t- the Times have just gone with. 7-0. So at least they, they, they just took the day off. I think. Right. Yeah. Goals in the 43rd, 47th, and 50th minute. So bang, bang, bang. Then in the 66th, 75th, 83rd, and 88th. 7-0. Uh, I wonder how you're feeling if you're a Man United fan. Jason is on the line, and he is a Man United fan. Are you, are you okay this morning, Jace? I'm hurting real bad, Matt. <laughs> hurting bad. I bet. I bet. Talk me, through it. Talk me through it. Talk me through it. Talk me through it. Well, if I'm to be fair, there's no excuses for us. Liverpool beat us fair and square. uh, And I think it's the reality check that we need. Mm. So if you look at any of the goals, and there's seven of them there to have a look at, (laughs) um, you'll find that in transition, when the ball went from effectively attack to defence, Liverpool were there chasing and onto it, and they had eight chances and seven goals. And we just weren't trying hard enough. We weren't transitioning fast enough. They were there. They were ready. Um, they pulled our pants down, mate. I'd, I'd love to be able to find someone to blame, but, yeah, we just we just weren't there. There'll be a fallout. There'll be a massive fallout. What do you think happens? Because this is the crazy thing about EPL. It can take one result like this to tip the bucket on everything. Well, we've done nothing effectively since Sir Alex left. So I think just sacking another coach is going to be, you know, futile. Ronaldo leaving... I think was the catalyst for us to actually start playing a lot better. And we have. We're in third place and we've still got another game in hand. So I think we're playing Champions League next year. Um, I think Arsenal have already won it with us. There's going to be an internal inquiry and there's going to be, you know, all of this sort of thing. But I think right now what we have to do is go, let's just not let this happen again. They're our biggest rivals and we got pantsed. Um, Yes, there'll be our fallout. People will call for someone's head. Um, I think they just need to get back on the training field and run faster and train harder. Mm. 
Geez, you're remarkably positive, mate. You are one heck of a positive, positive man. <laughs> what, what am I supposed to do? I can't. I'd, I'd love to say we got robbed. I'd love to. I can't. I really, I'm sick of all these Liverpool fans in my head. Uh, I bet. I bet. We're going to send you a $50 voucher to Sporting Globe. Spend it down there and uh, drown your sorrows. But uh, appreciate your call this morning, Jason. Well done, mate. And uh, stay in there. I, I read when we were looking for these headlines, an article in The Sun over there in the UK, and it says that Raphael Varane, was caught screaming at his teammates to go over and applaud their fans after that one at Anfield. So the Sky Sports camera um, cameras spotted him going over to his teammates and shouting, let's go over and, and clap our supporters who came to watch this absolute mess. And Bruno Fernandes was one of the stars who followed his lead. And then on social media, one fan wrote, um, our only leader. Is the only one who didn't stop trying, obviously speaking about Varen. But, you know, we talk about what happened with uh, Jerome Luai and, and Jamin Salmon, that being caught on camera off the back of the loss and two teammates having a go. But, gee, you've got problems, don't you, if your players need to be corralled and screamed at by their own players to go over to their supporters who made that trip and watched that absolute shellacking um, and then walk straight off. Surely you've got player, you've got some troubles there. Maybe a few bigger troubles with the scoreline. Seven nil. One three hundred oh one eleven seventy is the open line number. If you'd like to have your say, we've heard from both sides. Happy Liverpool fan, disgruntled Man United fan who's trying to remain happy. <laughs> got some sporting vouchers to the uh, got some fifty dollar vouchers to the Sporting Globe to give away. Now's the time to vent, folks. Uh, folks, do that. We'll take the news and take your calls. Thanks, Vanessa. Let's go to Brett Phillips and talk tennis uh, this morning because there's some great news out of Acapulco. Uh, BP is currently in the USA for the Indian Wells tournament. So Alex Demonor, BP, he's a favourite of yours. He's a favourite of Australian tennis and he's delivered on the big stage. Yeah, he certainly has. Uh, Matt, in fact, I'm going to chat to his coach uh, very shortly, uh, Peter Luchek. Uh, they just uh, touched down in Indian Wells, a quick uh, dash from Acapulco. So we'll bring you that chat on the first serve a little bit later uh, tonight. But yeah, it's another, as he rightly described in the uh, presentation ceremony, he's, his whole career is about you know taking steps. And this is another step to win a 500. He won a, a, a stack of 250 tournaments and to beat some good players at the uh, the last part of the tournament in Holgaruna in a semi, and then Tommy Paul, who made that Australian Open uh, final, of course, against uh, uh, Novak Djokovic, is um, you know a significant a significant moment. Sorry, a semi final he made uh, Tommy Paul at the Australian Open, so that gets him back inside the top 20. And you know, certainly a few weeks ago, in trying to forecast the Aussies, we said that's where he's got to land this year, somewhere between 10 and 20, and stay there. He's been as high as 15. Look, it's. You know, we know the effort levels of uh, Alex Dimonor. He just, you know, he's, he's that passionate about his career and what he wants to do. He plays with that passion. And he served really well in that Acapulco final um, against Tommy, particularly that last set. He just uh, was over 200 Ks. He ran away with it. Normally, he's got to really fight tooth and nail to win matches. So to win a big final and win in a, in a comprehensive deciding set was a huge step for him. Absolutely. I've been checking out the rankings, so they'll adjust themselves um, throughout the course yep. of today. But you, you're right. I mean, he was mm. going to go into the top 20. But also, I mean, he'll go up to 18th, won't he? So that'll put him yep. ahead of Nick Kyrgios. And therefore, he becomes the highest-ranked Australian male player in, in singles in world tennis. And that, that's a huge bonus as well. 
Yeah, it is. And, and I think, you know, certainly uh, he's never ever got the publicity that uh, Nick has got. Uh, and, and I sort of under, I understand that from the, uh, you know, the casual tennis fan or the casual sports fan who views the sport. But for those of us that live and breathe it, you know, we, we, we've seen this for, you know, four, five, six years now that Alex has been on the tour, transitioning from the juniors to the pros. You know, he went from 200-odd to 30 in the space of 12 months. And then he's been able to maintain this ranking. Got inside, drifted back out. I think he got out to close to 40, had a couple of injuries, and he's worked his way back. So, we, we you know, everyone talks about sort of some of the um, uh, the, uh, the negatives of Alex, of what he can't do on a tennis court. But, gee, he can do a lot of things. And if you're top 20 of your sport, you certainly deserve a, a huge level of respect. Everyone in tennis uh, knows that he is a fierce competitor. It's just whether he can jump over a few of his contemporaries and maybe have... Uh, you know, an even bigger moment in his professional life. Does a win like this then in that regard, does a win like this say to those players now in the top 15, and he's been up to 15 before, does that say, uh, okay, here he comes because we know now that he can deliver and he knows that he can deliver on this stage? Well, I think any time you see yourself in the draw against Alex Dimonor, not that I, I see this for myself, I'm imagining that uh, we'll roll the eyes, thinking, oh, I've got the demon. <laughs> He's going to run me ragged. He's going to make me fight tooth and nail. He's going to make me play one extra shot that I don't want to have to play. So every competitor knows when they walk uh, over those tram lines onto a court anywhere around the world, they know they're in for one hell of a contest. You know, I'll just go back to when he had that classic with Alcaraz last year in Barcelona, a semi where they went the distance and Elkarez goes on to become number one. So he wasn't too far away that day, Demonor. And, you know, I'm not, I don't think, I'm not sort of putting any ceiling. I, I think there's still a, a real upside to what he can achieve in the sport. What about Max Purcell, talking about those that are moving up in well, the numbers? I mean, you get, you get value on the Challenger Tour. You, you can jump up. You win three tournaments in a row, which Max has done. He's gone from 203, and I'm pretty sure he's at 95. Uh, as of this morning. Yeah. I and mean, that is a huge leap. And we all knew, and I think maybe we've been speaking about this the last two Mondays, and we've all known the capabilities of Max Purcell. So what a period for him. And, you know, can he now maintain the rage? That, that'll be the interesting part to observe. It's a long tennis season. We're only in February, but it is the perfect start. And was he ever capable of being a top 100 player? Absolutely. Now the challenge of staying inside there. So a yeah, great three weeks in India. Uh, which, um, yeah, and they've got right behind him. I mean, the crowds have been fantastic for the challenges more than anywhere else I've seen in the world. Great atmosphere, big numbers. I love this sport, uh, the Indian um, population, as we know. So, yeah, big three weeks for Max. Daniil Medvedev, uh, Medvedev rather, continues to be on that role since the Australian Open. Well, he almost comes to this sunshine swing now. Indian Wells, Miami is the raging red-hot favourite. I mean, you know, he's... 14 undefeated since losing to quarter in the third round at Melbourne Park. And he's played superb tennis. Didn't actually have his coach with him this week, uh, Jill Savara. Had a week off the tour. That didn't um, deter, deter uh, Daniil at all. And look, he we know the level that he brought to world number one, winning a major uh, a year or two ago. You know, life's changed. He's got a, a family now, a young baby. Um, but it looks like he sort of got his mojo back a little bit after being stung in, uh, in Melbourne back in January. So right now he's the most informed player, certainly on the men's tour. Good on you, BP. Enjoy your time over there, mate. We'll catch up uh, with you this evening on the first serve. Peter Luchak, your special guest. Look forward to it. Thanks, Matt. Brett Phillips there talking tennis. Oh, gosh, haven't we got some, some great movers and shakers in the world of tennis right now?
Um, Alex Dimonor, Max Purcell, all on the rise. So you can catch the first serve right across the SEN network tonight. Eight o'clock Eastern Daylight Saving Time is the way to do it. 0457 736 736 is the number or 1300 01 1170. Some other news around Xavier Cooks from the Sydney Kings. Once he's finished with the NBL Grand Final Series, we'll be heading off to the NBA. Now, we, we kind of figured this was going to happen. Um, when and where were the two remaining questions? Well, the when will be after the Grand Final Series. The where will be the Washington Wizards on a multi-year deal. So that uh, Grand Final Series currently at one apiece. The Kings won. Uh, the Kings went down in the first one. Breakers 95-87. And then the Kings won yesterday 81-74. So game three this Friday at uh, 7.30. And Xavier Cooks will be taking off. Did you catch any of Formula One in Bahrain this morning? Um, Max Verstappen, folks, look out. Here it comes again. Uh, I can't see anybody stopping him in the run for the championship this season. Sergio Perez finishing in second position. Fernando Alonso continues to punch away. For Aston Martin, he is on the podium. So it was Red Bull 1-2, Fernando finishing in third, Carlos Sainz in fourth for Ferrari. Mercedes problems continue into this season with Lewis Hamilton finishing in fifth and George Russell in seventh. Lance Stroll, a good performance from him in the other Aston Martin. He's had uh, wrist surgery and been struggling with that, but he finishes in sixth. Valtteri Bottas, Pierre Gasly and Albon make up the top 10. As far as Oscar Piastri goes in his debut performance in the world of Formula One, well, he didn't finish in the end. Uh, They had an electrical problem. They had to remove his steering wheel and then the thing wouldn't get going again. So plenty of headlines, plenty of headlines around disaster and it's all falling apart. And this just validates why Daniel Ricciardo is not there. Um, the worry for McLaren is not an electrical problem and a fault like that. The worry is they're slow. That's the worry. So don't read too much into disaster, 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 given that it's an electrical fault that translated into something else. The question for McLaren will be, can they find any pace? Uh, that's much, much different to a DNF because of a major problem with your car. Lando Norris um, was way off the pace as well. What does that mean for Daniel Ricciardo? It doesn't matter. It doesn't make any difference. He's not there anymore. Uh, He's moved on and he's not racing full-time this season. It makes a good headline to throw Daniel Ricciardo into this mix, but the fact of the matter for Oscar Piastri in his new career at McLaren is they need to find pace in that car. Reliability is something that hopefully will come with them, but pace is the key. And at the moment, nobody's got the pace to catch Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez at Red Bull. He was 12 seconds clear, uh, Verstappen and Perez, at the end of that one. So that says some pretty strong sense and pretty strong signals out to the rest of the Formula One world. Saudi Arabian Grand Prix next, and then they'll knock on our door here in Australia. 0457 736 736 is the text line, or 1300 01 1170 is our open line. We've got quite a few texts this morning. Uh, just wondering if Jimmy Smith is going to be part of the oh. SEN network this afternoon uh, with his show. Can you confirm that Jimmy will be in at work this afternoon after this morning's results? Uh, and, oh, gee, a lot of those. Jimmy? Fabulous weekend of rugby league, Matt. <laughs> Wasn't it great to have round one of the National Rugby League back? And yes, yeah. The team's firing. You'd have been very happy, you're... 
Manly Seagulls. Yes, yeah, yeah. They they looked uh, they looked good. I had an interesting day on Saturday, Jimmy. Uh, mm-hmm. Our cricket team playing a semi final. Oh, at the same time that uh, the mighty Manly Seagulls were playing against the Bulldogs. Uh, well, overlapping, oh, right. overlapping. So I was okay. getting. What I didn't know was that the uh, the dad of our captain is a Bulldog supporter. Oh. And I found that out when I asked him the score, and it was six all, which it was all rosy. But then thereafter, yes. he didn't want to talk to me. Um, nah. So the more I asked him and the less I got a, an answer, the better I felt. <laughs> <laughs> well, by the end, he said, well, Reid Marnie played well. I mean, Did you know, that's exactly <laughs> what he said. A hundred percent. That's exactly what he said. <laughs> really happy about Reid Marnie. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the rest was crap. It's kind of <laughs> now. Listen, now listen. Hang on. We, I do want to get your thoughts on NRL and find out what you're doing. That were you up early this morning? No. <laughs> Have you seen any of the news? Any of the headlines? Any of the results? Any of the text have I, messages? Have I seen any of it? Coach K, who's yeah. an Arsenal supporter, doesn't even support Liverpool. Yeah. Couldn't wait to get in contact with me about the result. Loading up. So it's uh, it, it just. Just remind me, where are Man United on the ladder compared to <laughs> Liverpool? Do we have an understanding of that? Yeah. Champions League, Champions League. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> it, I find it I find it extraordinary. And we just had a caller before um, who's in your boat. He's feeling your pain. Mm. A- and you well know that those kind of results, especially in the, in the Premier League, have massive ramifications. So are you expecting some heavy fallout or... or what happens next? Uh, and it was all trending so well, wasn't it? That like that's the really interesting thing uh, about it. If you look at the goal differential, if you look at the points um, now with with Liverpool, uh, I, I reckon you start getting. Um, I reckon if you're Newcastle, you start getting a little bit nervous. If you're Tottenham, you start getting a little bit nervous as well too. Uh, they've got a game in hand, uh, Liverpool. Uh, it, yeah, it's it's really interesting. And and look. It, Manchester United now aren't going to win the league, and that was probably a little far-fetched anyway. But they have to make sure that they are in the Champions League again next year. Um, albeit they might win it this year, so you know, which will guarantee themselves in there. But yeah, you want you want to be taking a bit better form than seven nil at Anfield oh. into the. It's just, painful to say it. Just slightly. Have you mm. been? I'm sure you have, and I don't know if I've asked you this question, but. There are matches when you speak to athletes in my job for over the last 30 years, you speak to athletes mm. and they go, oh, mate, seriously, that, that, you know, that 50 nil or that 60 to eight or whatever it was, you can't, it, the end can't come quick enough and it is happening in slow motion. This is, mm. you, you just know that it's going against you. So the, your Man United players, I guarantee you to almost a man would say something similar around that. Did you, did you ever have that kind of experience in your career and excuse me if I've forgotten an absolute doozy where you just looked up going, we're no chance here. This is getting away from us. And we're bugger all chance of pulling it back. I reckon we had our last seven games of the 1999 season when I was at the Rabbitohs. We had a really good first two thirds of the season. We were running fifth. We um, had some really great wins through the course of that. Tugger Coleman was there and you had a young Craig Wing and you had all this experience with Tony Iro and Jason Nickel was there playing well. Ian Rubin, Matty Parsons had a standout year. Daryl Trindle was having a, a breakout season. Spud and Shawnee Garlic. So we had this really eclectic team and, and it just it just got away from us at the back end of the year and we just ran out of steam and 
Um, the Warriors scored two tries in the last three minutes to beat us. In the there were six games to go after that, and that was the game where Russell Crowe and Tom Cruise were there sitting oh, yeah. in the players' box, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and 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 then from that point on, we just. We got flogged the next week against the Dragons. We went up to Newcastle and they absolutely flogged us. Remember the the vision of Matty Johns and Joey just touching fingers as if you know they were touched by God. That sort of, that was us. That was, <laughs> <laughs> and and the the season end couldn't come quick enough. And yeah. and you could, it, but as you say, it was happening in slow motion. We were like, oh. Yeah. We can't get out of this rut. Oh, 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 it's, yeah. a hor- it's a horrible feeling. I I was reading somewhere this morning, so that's the fourth time that your mob have been done seven zip. Got to go back to 1926, then 1930, then 1932. I'm making yeah. you feel better, aren't I? Now, listen, what's coming? Gonna, mate, hang on. What on earth are we doing talking about this? Let's just <laughs> – let's move on. That's the kind move of support on. we are at this network. We put our hands around each other and go for the headbutt straight away. Um, you know, all, I, all I'm happy about is that you're not, you're not talking about the Roosters too, right? So, anyway, the Roosters, uh, what did you <laughs> – just a quick one, a quick one, because you're going to discuss this at length, I'm sure. But your instant takeaway from the Dolphins yesterday, it's, it is a great story for the game. We're going to speak to Christian Wolf, uh, the assistant coach. He's a, he's a marvel. Bennett is a marvel. What we all anticipated was that they play to their ability – the incredible thing about that game yesterday, Maddie, a lot of them played beyond our expectations, and that's the the genius of Wayne Bennett. Mm, absolutely. All right, mate. I'm going to let you go. Prepare for your show. Uh, the text. Oh, hang on. Did you did you win the semi final on the weekend? You bet we did. Oh, you know how we won it with a how? tie. Oh, you kidding? With a tie, and do you reckon so? I don't know what time the match finished, but we got to the actual did we make it or didn't we make it about 15 minutes later after everybody had pulled oh, wow. through. The, yeah. So by virtue of the fact that we were the highest finishing team in that semi, we make the, the GF next week. No super I was over. Hope- I was hoping it was a run out at the bowler's end. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate. Have a good show. Thanks, Matty. A little bit of news out of the NRL before I leave you on this Monday morning. No suspension in sight for Roosters forward Egan Butcher for his tackle on uh, Dolphins prop Jared Wallace. He'll escape with an $1,800 fine. So Egan Butcher, no dramas aside from $1,800 lighter in the sky rocket. Jimmy Smith is coming up with his program. Make sure you dive in 0457 736 736 on the text line and one three hundred oh one eleven seventy on the open line. Uh, there is a text here about um, the Ford teams perhaps deliberately sandbagging at the test day ahead of the supercars season. Well, the supercars will ramp up at the end of this week at Newcastle and then across the weekend. We've got full coverage. Stay tuned to my show throughout the week because we will do some deep diving into that and answer those questions, speak to the drivers. The run home this afternoon with Joel and Fletch is coming your way as well. It's a hot one if you're listening to us in Sydney, so do your best to stay out of that heat. The best way to do it, well, keep it locked on SEN. Jimmy Smith will keep you cool. That's coming up. Have a great day, everybody. We'll do it all again tomorrow morning. Bye.